Good morning. What a day it is. What a what a blessing it is to be right here. Amen. It is good. It is good. Uh, the Lord has sure blessed us with a beautiful day. Uh, last time I was here, I talked about the fall season, the changes. It's uh, definitely maybe not just vest weather early morning. Maybe it's actually a coat weather the last couple, right? It's, it's good. It's good. Maybe we're going to kill some bugs at some point. That would be, that would be a blessing. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, were you able to praise our God in the praise and worship time that we just had? If you were, say amen. Amen. Amen, right? We are so blessed with the talent that is right here at Beach Island. It's amazing that this little church out in the middle of nowhere has the talent that we have because of God. And it's all praise to Him. It is wonderful and and man, we, we are so blessed, uh, uh, and we praise Him for it. And, and, and uh, what, a, what a blessing it is. Uh, we get to praise Him with, with people that have such gifts. <laughs> it, is, it is good. So, uh, you know, uh, if you're new here at Beach Rowling, I just want to say what a blessing it is for you to be here. What a blessing it is for you to be right here joining us in the middle of nowhere. It is good. But let me just introduce Beach Island to you. It is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And, and I love that about Beach Island. And, and I pray, I, I pray that all of us hear God's Word today. And we leave today with God's Word, not mine. If, if, it, if it's my words, I pray that it falls on the ground and, and, and it stays here and you walk out of here with His Word, not mine. It is good, it is good that He gives us His Word so readily available, and I love it, and I pray that I preach His Word, uh, not mine. And if it ever is my opinion, I tell you it's my opinion, not, not, uh, not trying to make it, make it His, but um, it, is, it is good that we have it. Today's a great day, because uh, we get to continue on in John chapter 20. We're getting closer to the end and it is, uh, it's been a journey uh, to study John. Uh, I asked Casey, have you learned anything from it? And I think she said, no. I, no, I'm joking. Uh, we talked about it, and it's, it's good. Uh, uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Mary coming to the tomb and Jesus meeting right there with her. Jesus, Jesus met her right there at the tomb and, and she didn't even recognize that it was Jesus at first. And then He called her by name. He called her by name and, and she recognized Jesus immediately. Her sheep will hear my voice and they will know me. What an amazing picture that is. And then, and then Jesus had a conversation with Mary, and what a conversation it was. It was something we can all learn from. And today, we're going to continue on in John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 19. 19, and, and uh, before we read that, though, I want us to remember why John wrote what he wrote. And he gives it to us. He, he gives it to us in John, this chapter, in John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you'll have life in His name. You know, I, 
I've been saying that scripture, and, and, and I'm going to get to preach on it <laughs> soon. <laughs> and I'm excited. Uh, and I'm going to say this, and, and, and I should probably say it, but no, I'm not. I hope that I always pre preach that. Uh, uh, I, I think it's so important that that's how you read all of God's Word. That I actually got it on my Bibles to remind me every time I pick it up that, you know what? The reason we have this Word is so that we will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing that, believing in Jesus, we will have life in His name. We will have salvation. We'll have salvation. What a, what a blessing that is. So that's the frame of mind that I want us to read this set of scriptures in uh, as, we, as we work our way through them. But let's go to Him in prayer first. Father God, we love You. We thank You for loving us and showing us how to love. And I pray that, that we get serious about that love and loving You. We thank You, Jesus, for going to the cross for us and showing us that amazing love you loved us so much. God, You loved us so much that You sent Jesus to die for us. And Jesus, You loved us so much that You were willing. You willingly went to the cross. You willingly gave up Your life for us so that we can have true life, eternal life. We can be covered by Your blood and be forgiven of all sin. And we can have life with you. We thank you for that. And I just pray right now that, that we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to hear your word. And I just thank you that we have it. I thank you that we have it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, uh, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was with them when was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the prince of the nails and put my finger into the prince of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believe me. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you'll have life in His name. Amen, amen. It is good. Let me just start off by saying that we're going to work on just a few Scriptures today. But in these Scriptures is probably the most difficult Scriptures that are in the entire Gospel of John. Because of man. Because man wants to maybe pick them out and pluck them. We have to keep in mind why John wrote what he wrote. We have to keep in mind the entire Bible and, and not let one Scripture stand alone. We have to make sure that we're reading the Scripture in context. And then we take and make sure that three Scriptures back up what that Scripture is trying to say. Or what we're trying to make the Scripture say. Three Scriptures. And all those three Scriptures, we better have 20 verses before and 20 verses after of those Scriptures that we are reading and making sure that it's in context of God's truth, not our truth. God's truth. It's so important that we make sure that we stand in His truth and not our religion or theology. It is true. But I will tell you, this stuff is really good. It's amazing what's written here. See, it was Sunday evening. And the disciples were all gathered at a table. Doors were locked because they were in fear. They were in fear of what the Jews were going to do or could do. So they're all sitting around there, protected by walls. And it says that Jesus came in and stood with them. I want you to picture this, okay? Because the door was locked. It was shut. Jesus did not pick the lock and come in through the door, okay? I want you to know, too, though, that Jesus' resurrected body was 100% in the flesh. He wasn't like a ghost figure. He was not in spirit form. He was the resurrected flesh. They touched His body. He was a solid mass of flesh that came and stood with the disciples. What a picture. What a miracle. What a miracle that Jesus came and stood with them with the door being locked. I love this picture. You see, uh, I love the fact. I love the fact that there is nothing that will stop Jesus from coming to you. There's nothing that, that, that's big enough there's no wall that's thick enough. There's no door with enough locks on it to stop Jesus from coming to you. What a picture. What a picture. Because there's nothing to stop Him from coming in and saying, Peace. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what, what you've been through. I don't know what walls you've built. I don't know what doors you've closed. But I want you to hear me this morning. 
There's no wall that's big enough and no door that's too thick for Jesus to come through for you. To come and stand with you and say, peace be with you. These words that Jesus spoke to His disciples though had a different meaning. Now that Jesus was standing there resurrected, it had a, had a new meaning because Christ made peace by the blood of the cross. You see, those who are justified by faith have peace with God. This peace that, that Jesus is talking about, John 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He says, my peace. My peace I, I give to you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Church, that peace is in Him. It's not anywhere else. It's not in the world. It's not, not hiding in the room with all the walls and the doors shut. There is no peace inside of there. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. You see, after announcing to them he showed them the marks of His passion. By which this peace had been obtained. See, church, listen to me. This peace is not the world's definition of peace. This peace is obtained by believing in Jesus. By confessing Christ and knowing that you are a child of God. And He gives it so freely. He gives it to anybody that will call on His name. But this peace that Jesus is giving is not a peace that says that, that your life will be all good. It's not a peace that says, well, once you confess Me, your life will be full of blessings and your life will be easy. And, and once you just come and walk with Me, man, it will be a breeze. Now, in this life, you will have tribulation. In this life, you will have trial. In this life, you will be beat down. Because honestly, it's quite the opposite when you come to Christ. You're probably going to face some more trials, some more struggles. Not because God is tempting you. But the world hates good. See, uh, this peace that was purchased with the blood of the cross is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It is a, a peace in knowing that God is with you in every battle, every struggle, every trial that you will go through. He, he is with you. Every time your heart is broken, He is with you. Every time you get knocked down by this world, He is with you. When this life is over, when this life as we know it is over, the promise is His peace. Eternal life. Eternal life. 
You see, when we look at every person that we can read about in God's Word, every person that we read about has struggles. Every person we read about in God's Word has struggles. Has difficulties. As soon as they believe in the Lord and come and walk with Him, that their life is a struggle. We're going to have we're going we're gonna to have difficulties. But you see, this peace is when Jesus is standing in the room with you when you're going through all this. This peace is when you're scared of what's to come. When you have no idea of what to do, where to turn, where to go. How to just stand up because the world beats you down and when you're down, kicks you in the teeth. This peace is knowing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that no matter what this world throws at you, He is with you. He is with you to, to lead you through it, to, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to, to give you encouragement. And knowing that paradise awaits. That's, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, this life is good. This life is really, and I love my family. I, I love what we do. I, I love that we get to travel up the road, down the road, rodeo. I love that that I get to fly airplanes really faster. Like I love life. I'm telling you, like it is good. But at the end of the day, it's not about this life. It's about walking with Christ. It's about knowing that, you know what? One day, one day when this life ends, I will get to meet Jesus face to face. It's about knowing that one day I will have a, a room, a mansion waiting for me. And I get to go be with Him. And the same for anybody who calls on His name and knows His peace. You see, uh, I want you to know, though, right now, when you're sitting in that room in fear, just like the disciples were, Jesus enters and says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. You see, and then we get to this beautiful verse, verse 21. And Jesus tells them again, Peace to you. Now, as believers, we're not to enjoy this, this peace alone. We're not to, to enjoy it selfishly, I'll say. We're to share it with the world, aren't we? We're to share it with others. Jesus said He sends His disciples, or believers. He, he sends them into the world as the Father sent Him. So I've been praying about where we're headed next and, and where we're headed after John. Uh, I teased a little bit in class this morning that, that we're, we're, we're getting closer another two years and we'll be there chapter and a half, but it's okay. It's becoming very clear to me is where we're going. As to where we're going once we, we finish John. And, and you see, Jesus tells His believers, I'm, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. How did the Father send Jesus? How did the Father send Jesus? Church, Christ came into this world as a poor man. 
He came as a servant. He came empty. He delighted to do the Father's will no matter, no matter the cost. And I should say he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He identified himself with man. All men. Not just a select few. He went about doing good. Always. Always. He did everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. And his goal? His goal was the cross. And now he sends the disciples and all believers. He says, I also send you. I also send you. So church, are you allowing Jesus to send you? Are you allowing Jesus to send you? Are you imitating Christ in this world? How do we witness to all those around us? That's what we're headed to. And it's going to be good, and I'm excited about what we're going to do uh, uh, as, we, as we finish up John and we continue on. But, but uh, God laid it all out for me uh, by using people that are part of this church and tell me, hey, this is where you need to go. <laughs> and then as well, say, hey, this is where you need to go. So it is good. It's good. But um, you see, after Jesus had said, I also send you, John gives us probably one of the most difficult verses in the Gospel of John. Verse 22. And we have to deal with it. It says, And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It says right here that Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The, the problem is, is that the Holy Spirit at this point was not available. So what was Jesus saying? He was available on the day of Pentecost, right? And so if Jesus spoke these words, wouldn't it happen immediately? Would it? I mean, everything he spoke just I'll tell you that there are many different explanations as to this verse and what Jesus meant in it. One of them being that the Lord was simply making a promise that the Holy Spirit was to come on the day of Pentecost. I don't think that's a very good explanation. I don't at all. Some want to change the wording to say that Jesus actually said, uh, uh, receive the Holy Spirit instead of receive the Holy Spirit. Saying that they didn't receive the full Holy Spirit, but they received a ministry of the Holy Spirit, giving them a, a more of a truth to go and preach the gospel. I struggle with that. Uh, uh, I can't back that up with three other scriptures. I, I can't back it up with, with God's word if I just let it stand there and that's what I try to make it be. Others say that there was a full outpouring of the Holy Spirit when Jesus said this. And that the Holy Spirit was poured into them when, they, when He breathed on them. But it seems unlikely when we compare it with the rest of the Bible. We compare it with scriptures like Luke 24, 49, which says this. Listen to this. And behold, I'm, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. How about Acts 1, 4, and 5? Acts 1, 4, and 5. It says this, Gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, 
but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1.8, but you will receive the power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. In each one of these verses, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit has talked about His future as coming. So how could we say that Jesus meant? We're going to get it right now. In John 7, 39, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit could not come in His fullness until Jesus had been glorified. Which means until He was at the right hand of the Father. I say all this to say there is a debate about all this. I don't care. Here's what I want you to hear. Is that Jesus gave us a promise. That when we come to Him, the Holy Spirit will come into us and be our advocate, our counselor, our helper, our everything. Our wisdom. Our knowledge. He will come into us and be with us. He will abide in us. He will make His home in us. That's what I want you to hear. We can get wrapped up in all the man's controversy of what that verse is supposed to mean. Who cares? Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will give it to you. And what a blessing that is. That as followers of Jesus, we can know that He is in us, walking with us. And what a blessing that is. What a blessing. As the disciples are sitting there listening to Jesus, He says one more thing to the group of them. He says, If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Another difficult verse that John gives us. Because if we pluck this scripture out, well, did he mean that he was given the apostles and all their successors the ability to forgive sins? Can man forgive sins? No. God, that would go against God's Word directly. It would be in complete contradiction if man could forgive sins. God says, I and I alone forgive sin. Man seeks power, though, doesn't he? Man seeks power. Man, if we could forgive sin as man, wouldn't that be good? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be good at all because also we can retain sin. God and only God forgives sin. So how do we explain this? How do we explain what Jesus is saying? And what were the disciples given? I believe, this is my opinion, told you I'd say it's one of my opinions, I believe that it's a Jesus telling them that you will have the power to declare, uh, to declare forgiveness of sin. Retain sin. Let me explain just a little bit. The disciples go preaching, right? They go and preach the gospel of Jesus 
And some listened. And some accepted Jesus Christ. Some repented and, and gave their life to Jesus. And the disciples were able to say, your sins are forgiven. And out of those same people, there were some who didn't listen. There were some who didn't repent. There were some who were not going to accept Jesus. And you know what? In that, the disciples were able to retain sin and say, look, you're still in your sin. If you die today, you're going to hell. Because it was true. Isn't that still truth today? Man has the power to declare sin or to retain sin. You know, I think though when we look at this, we have to look at the uh, um, some additional verses in this. We have to understand that the disciples were given special authority by the Lord in, in dealing with sin, especially certain sins. For instance, in Acts 5, 1 through 11, and if you're writing down scriptures, write this one down. Acts 5, 1 through 11. Peter used his power. He used his power, and it resulted in the death of Ananias and Sapphira. We also, though, have Paul seen retaining sin of an evildoer in 1 Corinthians 5, 3 through 5, and in 12 and 13, but he also remitted sins. 2 Corinthians 2, 4 and 8. <clears throat> Church, I want you to see though in every one of these scriptures that these sins were sins that were dealt with in this life. This life walking on this earth, not eternal. God is the only one who can forgive eternal. Only one. It is in Him and Him alone that we are forgiven. Because of the blood of Jesus. No man has the power to forgive or retain sin eternally. That's God. That's God. Church, I feel like in some ways I preached a sermon on trying to decipher Scripture. I want you to know the truth of Scripture, and I want to make sure that we stand in God's Word of it. But here's what I want you to hear this morning. There is no wall built strong enough. There is no door that has enough locks on it to keep Jesus out of your life. Even if you are not walking with Him, He is right beside you. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what your past says. I don't care what, what's happened. Jesus is in your midst. He is with you. And the difference of Him being with you and in you is you confessing Him. Confessing that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and it says you will be saved. There's nothing that can stop Him. There's nothing that, that can hold Jesus up from being a part of your life. Besides you. You see, it's a choice. It's a choice whether you let Jesus just be beside you or with you. Abiding 
in you. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make. Nobody else makes it. It's a choice that you make. And I want to encourage you today that if, that if Jesus is just in your midst, that you allow Him in. That you allow Him to fully be a part of your life. And you understand what His peace is. Because if He's just in the midst, you don't understand that peace. You don't get that peace. Eternal life. Eternal life with Him. You see, uh, once, you once you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, there is nothing that will stop the Holy Spirit from coming into His belief. From coming into them in His fullness. Not a piece of it but His fullness in you. And once that Holy Spirit and is it in His fullness in you, you can be sent by Jesus to do His will. And I know that probably everybody here, maybe not, a great majority of us have accepted Jesus. Have the Holy Spirit in His fullness in us. Are we, are we being sent by Him? Are we doing that? Are we walking in Him? Are, are we allowing ourselves to walk in that peace and allowing Jesus to send you? I'm going to invite the praise team up. We're going to sing another song. But I just want to, I just want to put it out there that if, uh, that if you're struggling with life, if you're struggling with the pressures of this world, the pressures of family, the pressures of everything that this world throws at you. I want you to know that it's all overcome. It's, it all can be overcome with Jesus. You see, the disciples when sitting in that room, they were in fear of what the Jews were going to do. But when Jesus came and was in their midst, and they realized that it was Jesus, I can just picture every one of them smiling from ear to ear. Because now they knew who was with them. I mean... If you don't picture all of them smiling once they understand that it was Jesus, I want you to erase the sketch that you have in your mind and put the one in your mind that, that they're all smiling and they're overjoyed and they're praising Jesus. Listen to me this morning. If you're in that room and you're not smiling because Jesus is in your midst, turn it over to Him. Whatever it is, turn it over to Him. And get the joy, His joy, on your face. Because it is good. And if you want prayers for whatever that struggle is, whatever those, whatever's built those walls, whatever shut those doors, if you want prayers, man, I want to pray with you. Because we're in this journey together. And I want to lift you up. I want to pray with you. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Don't let another day go by. 
But He is not the Lord of your life. Today is the day. Father God, I thank You so much for all that You do. I thank You for loving us. I thank You for going to the cross for us. I thank You for the peace that You give. This peace that, that we don't understand, but yet we know that it is because of You. Because of You on the cross and dying for us. You cover us. You give us life, true life. When we believe, thank You for that. And I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that, that has not confessed You, that, it, that hasn't given You their heart, that hasn't believed in You, that they make that choice today to believe in You and give You their life. And Lord, whoever's struggling this morning with whatever, whatever has them in fear, pray they lay that down at your feet and they see you standing right there in their midst. We thank you that that is you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.